If you were to give Joel Blocks type 1 diabetes for the day, he would not find it easy because it, there's just so many different things to think about. And that's when they told my mum and dad that it's looking likely that I had type 1 diabetes. As a young girl, I was drinking pints of water and I could just not clench my thirst. But when, when I was younger, she said, you just looked unwell. She said I lost a lot of weight and I just wasn't myself. Hi everyone and welcome to my podcast, Dominating Diabetes. I thought it was about time that I put a podcast together and basically something to allow me to talk all things diabetes as well as, you know, interview other people living with diabetes too and to be able to share with everyone my story and other stories at the same time as well. Everything that I mention in this podcast, as as you all know, I'm not a medical professional, so always make sure that you take advice off your medical professionals when it comes to your own diabetes control. So with regards to my podcast, Dominating Diabetes, the reason that I put this podcast together is because I think it's really important sometimes for people to hear you know, stories of other people living with diabetes and it allows people to open up about their own journey with diabetes and also for you guys to also learn a little bit more about me and my journey living with type 1 diabetes. So in terms of what I've got planned with this podcast is I'm going to interview guests who also live with type 1 diabetes and basically share my experiences with you guys as well. And just to let you know, you know, a little bit more about me and the experiences that I've been through and the emotions that I've felt, because as we all know, type 1 diabetes is an absolute roller coaster. So I think sometimes it's important to, you know, hear hear how I also have ups and downs when it comes to trying to manage my type 1 diabetes. So as you all know, I'm also known as the diabetic health coach. And basically, I help people who also live with diabetes like myself to meet those health and fitness goals. Because growing up with diabetes, and you know, I've had coaches myself in the past, I've been on health and fitness journeys myself in the past. And I always used to think to myself, it would make such a big difference if my coach also had type 1 diabetes. And that is what led me to what I do today, where I basically help all my clients who are living with diabetes to meet those health and fitness goals. And also mindset related goals as well, especially when it comes to dealing with type 1 diabetes, because as we all know, it can be pretty tough sometimes. So that's what led me to what I do today. I'm also a behavior analyst as well. So I help people to change their behavior for the better, build new habits, build healthier habits. And yeah, my, my main aim is to help as many people as I possibly can who are living with diabetes. So in terms of my podcast, the reason that I'm putting this podcast together is because I want to be able to not only share my experience of living with type 1 diabetes for everyone to, you know, learn a little bit more about me and who I am and my experience of managing diabetes over the years, but also to be able to speak to other people with type 1, sorry, what's it? But also to be able to speak to others who are also living with diabetes and for others to share their experiences and their strategies or anything that they can share with others that, you know, other people might benefit from. 
So my aim is to be able to be completely open and honest about my journey with type 1 diabetes. And hopefully this podcast will help so many other people who may be struggling at the moment or feel like they need to speak to someone or want to have someone to relate to as well. So in a nutshell, for those that don't know what type 1 diabetes is, it's an autoimmune condition where the body mistakenly attacks the pancreas and basically we then have to do the job of an organ. We have to do the job that our pancreas does and we have to focus on managing our glucose levels as best we can. So it's not easy, but luckily because of obviously the time that we live in, we've also got amazing technology that helps us to manage our diabetes control as best as we can. Okay, so I'm going to start with the very beginning. So I've had type 1 diabetes now for 28 years. So I was a very young girl when I was diagnosed, around the age of three years old. And Before that, I can't really remember much in terms of, you know, what I was able to do versus, you know, what what it was like after I was diagnosed. Um, I remember on Christmas Day, just not having to think much about what I was eating. I could just eat as much chocolate as I wanted. But that's probably as far back as I can remember. However, I do remember when I was diagnosed because I remember being so thirsty and thirsty to the point where as a young girl I was drinking pints of water and I could just not clench my thirst and I remember my mum like she, she she says to me now that when when I was younger she said you just looked unwell you just looked poorly um and she said I lost a lot of weight and I just wasn't myself so she took me to the doctors and I always remember being in the doctor's surgery and I remember it clearly because my mum and dad were sat in the in the chairs and I was kind of like playing with the kids toys in the corner of the in the corner of the GP's room and I always remember seeing Disney characters on the on the walls for some reason anyway and that's when they told my mum and dad that it's looking likely that I had type 1 diabetes because they must have checked my blood sugar levels back then and I, I don't know what how high they were, but they must have been very high. So anyway, I was then taken to my local hospital. So when I was in hospital, that's where I had to stay for around a week and that's where my mum and dad were informed that the little girl had been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, which of course, is a lifelong condition and they had to learn so much in such a short space of time. And I'm going back to the 90s where there wasn't the, well, easy access to the internet. Um, They had to practice injecting insulin in syringes into an orange because obviously I couldn't do it myself back then. And they basically had to learn how to carbohydrate count. They had to learn, you know, what makes glucose levels rise and drop and everything. They had to learn everything in such a short space of time. And luckily, they did have close contact with my diabetes nurse at the time and the uh, endocrinologist as well. And they really, really helped my mum and dad to better understand how to help me to manage my glucose levels. Because basically, my blood sugar control was in their hands 
And it was really overwhelming for them. I mean, I will get them on this podcast at some point just to interview them to see, you know, like how, how they managed back then. But it was tough and there were a lot of adjustments that needed to be made. So obviously when it came down to, you know, as a little girl, usually you can just have sweets when you want or have biscuits whenever you're feeling a little bit hungry or have chocolate as a little bit of a treat. For me back then, it was a lot harder to do that because obviously my mum and dad were trying the best to try and manage my glucose levels. And the thing is, back then, they didn't have the technology that they've got now. We didn't have pumps as easily accessible as they are now. There was no CGMs, so continuous glucose monitors back then. We had to rely on old school meters, blood blood sugar meters. And I always remember I had a meter and I had to put my blood on the test strip and you had to wait like 25 seconds to see what my glucose level was. Whereas now you get an instant reading. So it's just little things like that that obviously would have made it a little bit harder back then, but they managed they managed and they tried the best in terms of keeping my glucose levels as well controlled as possible. So people always ask me, they say, so did it impact your childhood when you had type 1 diabetes as a little girl? And the answer to that, to be honest, not really, because number one, I didn't really know any different. The only thing that I can remember, kind of like snippets of when I was younger, was obviously the Halloween was a little bit, a little bit harder because Instead of instead of sweets in my Halloween bucket, people used to give me like spur change a lot of the time. I used to get some sweets and chocolate, but I think because what happened was my mum made everyone aware that I had type one diabetes on the street that I lived in, um, lived on. Sorry, but obviously back back then there wasn't easy access to the internet. People weren't as well educated around type one diabetes, so. Because of that, they thought, let's just give her some spur change instead, just in case she, you know, she eats too much sweet on Halloween. But that's fine. It doesn't bother me. Um, again, on Christmas and birthdays, I, I still had cake like everyone else. I still had chocolate like everyone else. Still had desserts like everyone else. It's just that I had to be a lot more careful with my blood sugar levels back then. And yeah, it, there was just a few things that needed to obviously be taken into account a little bit more. Um, don't get me wrong I didn't have perfect control when I was a little girl my mum said that sometimes she would check my blood sugar levels and they would be sky high and she couldn't figure out why Um, and I just always remember she used to weigh everything out for me she used to try and calculate how much insulin I needed because even the insulin back then as we all know there's the, the the, the access that we have to different insulins is so much more vast now than what it was back then back then I used to have like a mixed insulin that I'd have twice a day, but then I had to have my meals at certain times of the day. And I used to have to have snacks at set times of the day as well. Whereas now that's not the case. So it is a lot easier to control now compared to back then. Um, that's what it was like. It was mad. Madness. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, so yeah, so as a as a young girl, it was fine. You know, I remember when I was at school, my mum used to come in every break and lunchtime to give me my snack or to give me my insulin. Um, and 
yeah, I just, I don't really remember it having that much of an impact on my childhood. It was more when I got to my teenage years, that was when basically it just got so much harder. So obviously growing up with type 1 diabetes, my mum and dad helped out so much. Whereas then I had to go to high school. And as we all know, we go to high school and that's where we have to then become so much more independent. So I went to high school and that's when I had to get into the, try, I'd try and get into the habit of checking my glucose levels as consistently as I could through the day. I had to make sure that I had my insulin. I had to make sure that I wasn't, um, you know, like overeating too many sweet things. As we all know, we can go to the school uh, canteen in high school and just get cookies and cakes um, really easily accessible. And when I got to high school, that was when I completely started to just switch off from my diabetes because the thing is when you're 12, 13, 14 years old and you're making new friends and you're wanting to just do what your friends are doing, you're growing up, you're going through, you know, those teenage years where you may maybe a little bit off the rails with all that on top of having to manage type 1 diabetes that is very very tough well it was tough for me so I just remember when I was at high school I got out of the habit of checking my glucose levels um so back then I didn't have access to a CGM I used to have to use my old school meter and you know I was told by my diabetes team that I had to do it at least four times a day I think I would go days without doing it. And my mum would say to me, Vanessa, have you checked your blood? Make sure you check your blood, check your blood, check your blood. And it just got too much. And I used to just switch off from it. And also, I used to kind of make up a lot of the readings to my mum. I'd say, yeah, I've checked it. It's 5.6, when really it was probably 25.6. And obviously, like, through high school, I didn't know anyone with type 1 diabetes. I'd never met anyone with type 1 diabetes. And I think that in itself really knocked my motivation to really look after myself and manage it the best I could going through high school. And the thing is, I think no matter how much we try during those years, it's always going to be trickier because it is a big transition anyway. Even for teenagers without type 1 diabetes, it's a big transition. Um, so yeah, so I kind of went through school. I was really lazy with my insulin. I wasn't, I wasn't making healthy decisions. I was just having insulin, just taking a complete guess, eating and then either shooting up or shooting down if I'd had too much. I didn't know how to carb count. I didn't know how to work out how much insulin I needed I'd overcorrect, I'd undercorrect. It was just all over the place. It was just a complete roller coaster. And looking back now, I always think if I had a CGM back then, it would have made such a big difference to my diabetes control. But obviously, we're going back to the early 2000s and things like that weren't readily available. Um, so going through high school, I, I, I kind of, I used to go to my diabetes appointments and back then I was given a little bit of a book, like a little book and I had to write down what my glucose levels were 
in the book. And I always remember whenever I used to go to the appointment, I always used to feel like they were head teachers meetings, like, like I'm going to head teacher's office where I'd feel that all eyes are on me. And it was like, why are you not doing this? Why are you not doing that? So before each, um, before each appointment, and by the way, I do not do this. Um, but I used to write down and make up the readings um, in this little log book that I had. And my my consultant would look at the readings and then look at my HbA1c and be like, this doesn't add up because obviously I was putting really good readings when my HbA1c, which is the three-month average, um, was a lot higher back then. So... Yeah, during those appointments, my endocrinologist used to say, Vanessa, you really need to, you know, try a little bit harder. You need to do X, Y, and Z. And I was just not having any of it. I was just like, oh, whatever. Um, I just wanted to switch off from it. And that's what I used to do. I just used to switch off from my diabetes in my head. I didn't have it. I was completely in denial. And in my head, I thought, nothing's going to happen to me. You know, I'm invincible, as we all feel at that age. And it was when I reached the age of 18, that's when everything kind of just went downhill from there, basically. So when I was 18, I got a letter through the post after having my regular eye screening, which, of course, as we all know, we have to do when we've got type 1 diabetes. I had my regular eye screening and I got a letter to say that I had retinopathy and maculopathy so again I'm not a medical professional so um like I said in terms of knowing what each one is google it (laughs) um but basically my eyesight was starting to be affected by my poor diabetes control and I just remember getting that letter and thinking to myself oh my god like I can't believe like I was just I was in shock I was scared I was bawling my eyes out crying because in my head I was just like oh my god I'm gonna lose my sight and I'm only 18 years old and I just never thought that that was ever gonna happen and the thing is when anything like that happens to anyone I think we just naturally have different ways of dealing with things and one thing that I've found is when I'm faced with something like that is I try and push against it. I try and fight it. And this was where I got that letter and then I did a complete 360 in terms of how I managed my type 1 diabetes. So rather than me continue to neglect it, I just thought, you know what? I am not going to let this condition ruin, ruin my life and ruin my health because I could see right now, even though it was just an eye letter, it, it kind of gave me that clarification that I needed to change and that if I didn't change, things were just going to get worse. So since receiving that letter, it, it gave me a huge boost in motivation to change for the better. So I started to I started to just look after myself so much more. I started to, firstly, I started off small. I started off my making small changes. I didn't try and change everything all at once, but I just started to check my blood sugars. I started to check my blood sugars on my meter and I started to get a good idea of what was happening with my glucose levels. 
And lo and behold, they were all over the place, but I was aware of what was going on. So what I did was I started off by making small changes and everything just snowballed into one. So I started getting into healthier eating habits. I started to learn how to carb, carb count. I started to learn a little bit more about how much insulin that I needed. And I just made a conscious effort to make small changes. And don't get me wrong, not everything changed overnight. It took time for me to adapt to the new habits and build new habits. But overall, it helped so much in terms of it showed to me that I was able to manage it. Because I think sometimes when it comes to type 1 diabetes, we can have really difficult days and days where things are just completely out of our control and it can really knock our confidence and the thing is it's always remembering that as long as we are doing our absolute best that is all that matters and that was what I was doing I was just trying my best and one of the biggest game changers for me and my glucose control going back eight nine years ago now when I was on that journey of trying to manage my diabetes control a lot better was being able to access my freestyle Libra Center. I mean, if you were to ask me what has been the biggest thing that has made such a positive impact with regards to my diabetes control and my relationship with my diabetes, it has to be my freestyle Libra Center. And I always remember when I first gained access to one, I put it in my arm, I scanned the reader, I saw my glucose levels in front of me for the first time ever and I cried because I just said to my dad, I said, I've never, ever, ever been able to see what my glucose levels are right in front of me in a graph. Like it just blew my mind. And I'm just so grateful now to be able to access such amazing technology. And not only that, but, you know, the things that we have access to now to help to manage our diabetes control is unbelievable I mean a lot of people have access to pumps we've got access to closed loop systems it's it's amazing so I'll always be forever grateful for diabetes technology that's available especially the freestyle Libra sensor and system it's it's just changed my life just for the better and my diabetes management as well and yeah, so I, it's like I say, I, when I was a teenager, I really struggled. And then I got that letter to basically tell me that my eyes were starting to be affected by my poor diabetes management when I was younger. And for me, it was just the shock tactic that I needed to make those changes for the better. And now it's kind of brought me to where I am now. So obviously over the years, I've made a lot of healthy changes. I've been through my own health and fitness journey. And this in turn has helped so much with my own diabetes control and my relationship with my diabetes. And this is what has led me to where I am now, where my aim is to help as many people as I possibly can who you know, are in similar situations that I was in or who are wanting to improve their health, the fitness, the relationship with the diabetes, because the thing is, it's going to be with us forever unless they find a cure. But that's why it's important for us to learn 
to control our diabetes and not let it control us. And that's another reason why I've created this podcast, because I think it's important that, you know, I share with you guys what works for me, things that have helped over the years, my experiences with diabetes, my bad days with diabetes, you know, you understanding that, yeah, even though my diabetes controls so much better now, I still have days where down because the sky high from either being ill or if I've had a little bit of a lazy weekend which we all do and we might be a little bit out of routine you know at the end of the day we're all human and the thing is I say to my clients you know if you were to give Joel Blocks type 1 diabetes for the day he would not find it easy because it there's just so many different things to think about and that's why I think not only people with diabetes listening to this podcast, but also people who don't have diabetes, who want to learn a little bit more about it and what it's like to live a day with type 1 diabetes and what it's like to manage it, the stress that it can cause, the ups and downs that we have. And again, that's another reason why I want to speak to other people with type 1 diabetes and you know be able to share their experiences with it as well. So that's my story so far of diabetes and my journey from you know being diagnosed as a child to you know going through my teenage years being completely in denial to now getting to where I am today helping others who also have diabetes like myself and like I said in terms of moving forward I'm looking forward to having people on the podcast and being able to speak to others who also have diabetes and be able to share and listen to others' experiences and to be able to share that as well with you guys. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to my first podcast, a little bit more about me and my journey with type 1 diabetes. Remember, dominate your diabetes. Don't let it dominate you. See you on the next one.